Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We're drawing to the close of a series of talks about our spirit, our soul, and our body. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 in the Bible says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God cares about all the parts of us, but the problem is we are weak and frail and we fail regularly. And so God had to come up with a way of saving us that didn't rely on our own ability and our own performance. So one idea some people have is, oh, well, he could just lower the bar. He could just say, you don't have to be perfect to get into heaven. But God is perfect. It says in the Bible that he cannot look on sin. There cannot be any sin in heaven. So he had to find another way. And when we sinned, when human beings turned away from God in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve turned away from God, what happened was the soul and spirit part of them, the, the inside, the inner workings of them were somehow ruptured or rent into, and the spirit part that related to God was cut off from God, and the soul part of them, their feelings, their thoughts, all of that was linked to their body, and for many, many centuries, human beings lived without being connected to God. In the whole of the Old Testament, God gave them the laws, the rules to live by, but they could never live by them because our flesh was weak and damaged and tainted and our emotions were linked to our flesh. We didn't have the power source of the Spirit of God. We didn't have the, the power plugged in at the outlet that gave us the ability to live for God. And then Jesus came. He died for our sins so that we could have the Spirit of God in us again. And now suddenly there are two categories of people on planet Earth. There are those called natural men who are just trying in their own ability. They're doing their best. They're trying to be good or they're trying to get by using their mind, will and emotions that are their own human abilities and their flesh which are the five senses by which they gauge what's true in the world around them. And they're trying their best. Those are the natural men. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 that they cannot understand the spiritual things of God because the Spirit's not in them. And then there are spiritual people who are not better. They are not good. They've just believed that Jesus died for them and the Holy Spirit comes in. And it's called being born again. Now, Jesus used this phrase in John chapter 3. He was speaking to a man called Nicodemus and Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, using normal human logic, said, well, how on earth is that going to happen? Are you saying physically a person's body needs to be born again, get back into a womb? And Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. He was saying it's a spiritual thing. Human spirits have been cut off from God and now they need to be made alive, born again. But now we get this scenario where you've got human beings walking around in a fleshly body that has been trained to sin, that has become used to sinning and in a, with a soul, a mind and emotions and decisions that are used to 
looking to the flesh, looking to our five senses and our bodies for all of our cues and our energy. But now there's the spirit living in them that is full of power. And the whole thing of this series of talks, but also most of the New Testament, is how do we save our souls? Your spirit is saved. When you believe in Jesus, you get a brand new spirit. Your body will only be made new when we get to heaven, but your soul, your mind, your will and your emotions needs to be renewed. It speaks of being renewed many times in the New Testament. And we need to have it renewed and aligned back with our spirit so that we can overcome these wrong habits and these wrong ways of behaving and thinking that our flesh lead us towards. What I want to do today is look at a few verses, four or five verses about your spirit. If you have believed in Jesus, you say to me, Greg, this sounds too easy. Surely I have to go to church. I have to be good. I have to obey and be better than the next person or have more good than bad in my life to get to heaven. Jesus said it's impossible. You need to just believe whoever believes that he is who he says he is, that he died for your sins. What happens is your spirit is made brand new, born again, alive again. If you are that person, I want to tell you about this power source that's in the middle of you, because you may be what the Bible calls a carnal Christian. You may have believed that Jesus died for you, but you're still relying on your flesh, your five senses, your earthly ability to try and live for God, and you will fail again and again. But when you realize the power and the joy and the life, the sweetness of the Spirit of God that's inside you, it changes everything. I've used this illustration before about two fishermen who were stranded in a little boat off the coast of South America, maybe 10 miles off the coast of South America. They couldn't see the shore. And for three weeks, they were without water and they were scared to drink the seawater because it was salty and they thought they would go mad if they drank it. And then a big ocean liner came past and said to them, why didn't you just drink the water? You're right off the coast from the Amazon River flowing out to the sea and the water is fresh for several miles off coast, off the coast and you could have just drunk. The men had the source of life right next to them, but they weren't using it. They weren't enjoying it. They were struggling without it. And many, many Christians have the source of life within them, but they're still relying on the horrible and weak power of their flesh and their own abilities. So let's look at a few verses about this amazing spirit that you have. The first is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, that means if anyone has believed Jesus died for them, he is a new creation. That's an amazing little phrase. Basically, it's saying he's been made again, brand new. The new man we've spoken about in previous talks. And it's talking about your spirit because when you become a Christian, let's imagine you go up in a meeting and you say, yes, I want to believe in Jesus today or you get baptized. Your body isn't a new creation. You still have the same wrinkles and features that you had before. Your soul, your mind, will and emotions are by and large the same as they were the day before. But your spirit is made brand new, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that is... That is very reminiscent of the language in Revelation 21, talking about heaven. He says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
all things were old things were passed away all things have become new uh, and a new creation that's what this talks about in your spirit god makes you brand new it's not something you worked up it's not something you made happen by your good efforts you may have been the worst person or a reasonably good person it doesn't matter when you believe in jesus you get a new creation in your spirit and Ephesians 2 verse 6 says that that spiritual you is seated right now in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Even though you are still here on planet earth, there is a part of you, your spirit, that has access to heaven, that is seated with Jesus. Imagine you in heaven in millennia to come where you're seated with Jesus, you're in fellowship with him, you're forgiven, you're full of joy, no regrets, no more crying, tears or pain. It says your spirit is already there, a new creation seated with Jesus in heaven. Now, for some of us, that's hard to get our heads around. We say, hold on a second, I'm still seated here on earth with the same problems I've always had. Yes, but there is a part of you, your spirit, that is a new creation seated with Jesus. So that's the first thing about your spirit. And you may find that hard to understand and hard to believe. And that's why the Bible says, be renewed in your mind. Or Ephesians 4.23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, get your mind more in the spirit than it is on your five senses and on your logic. Allow your mind to, to see yourself differently. Imagine you moved to another country and you got a new passport and they said you are now a citizen of whatever land. And you may still think of yourself as a citizen of the country you came from. You may still speak that language, have those customs, have that accent, have the physical features of the land you came from. But the passport says you are a citizen of this new land. That's what the Bible says about you. If you have believed in Jesus, your spirit is brand new and the good news is your spirit is the part of you that lives forever. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, those things pass away, but your spirit remains forever. It's the real you, the true you, the part of you that relates to God forever. Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It's not so much about the outward things that we are so used to using to understand the world around us. Your spirit is what's important. First point, it is brand new. It is seated with him in heavenly places. Second point, is it sealed? <laughs> Ephesians 4 verse 30 says your spirit is sealed. And another way of saying that is that it is perfect forever. Listen to this verse from Hebrews 10 verse 14. It says by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, just think about that for a second. By one sacrifice, that's talking about Jesus dying on the cross. When he died on the cross and gave his life and his blood was shed and he said, it is finished. It is paid in full. By one sacrifice, Jesus was doing enough for your spirit to made, be made perfect forever. Perfect perfect, can't be improved upon forever. In other words, it is sealed. It is, it can't go up and down. You can't say, oops, yesterday I sinned or this morning I sinned. Therefore, my spirit is not quite pure anymore. No, no, it's perfect forever. And Ephesians 4 verse 30 says it's sealed. It is, it, it's amazing the way God has made for us to be 
made righteous, even though the end of that verse, Hebrews 10, 14 says, but we are still being made holy. How can it be that I'm perfect forever, but I'm still being made holy because your spirit is perfect while your soul and your body catch up and start to become aligned with your spirit. So that's, that's the second thing is it's sealed. It's perfect forever. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, has my spirit been tainted? And I'm going to talk next week a little bit more about that because, you know, when Paul in the beginning chapters of the book of Romans was speaking about grace, 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 people responded to him and said, well, surely we can just sin then and, and it doesn't matter. And so in chapter 6, verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we sin so that grace may increase? By no means. So the, the question that comes back that says, well, surely I can just sin then, is the right question which shows we are understanding grace correctly. But then we need to answer that question. And I'm going to answer that next week. So first uh, one is it's brand new, seated with Christ. The second one is it's sealed and perfect forever. And that is just the most amazing truth. You know, Hebrews 10, 14, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy is the most powerful verse. It changed my life. When I read that verse for the first time, it changed my life. For about six months, it was just going through my head over and over again when I realized that my spirit was sealed and perfect forever. I wonder if you're starting to get excited. I wonder if you like the, the two men sitting in the fishing boat, suddenly realizing there's water. I don't need to be dying of thirst. The third thing is it's righteous, like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amazing verse. It says God made Jesus, who was perfect, to become sin. When he died on the cross, he took all of our sins upon himself. God made the perfect one to have sin imputed or put upon him so that we who have sin could be declared completely righteous. Your spirit is completely righteous, just like Jesus. In Ephesians 4 verse 24, where it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Then it says, Put on the new man that is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Your new spirit is just like Jesus. 1 John 4 verse 17 says, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. He made him who had no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We are created in true righteousness and holiness, just like him. As Jesus is, so are we in the world. Your spirit is just like Jesus' spirit. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, Whoever joins himself to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So the third point is your spirit is perfect and pure and righteous, just like God. Absolutely astounding. An amazing truth. I wonder if you are starting to get excited by this. The fourth one is that you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord, but we have the mind of Christ. And in the verses preceding that, it says that we can understand spiritual things, not because we're clever, not because of our logic, not because of our five senses or studying in books, 
the Holy Spirit gives us the mind of Christ. So in your spirit, as you align your mind with your spirit, there is a part of your mind that is spiritual. And we have the mind of Christ. You can know things that you wouldn't have known. You can understand things. He gives you a way of thinking and a way of acting based on your mind that is the mind of Christ. There's another place in the Bible that says we can know all things. Uh, it's the most amazing thing. I've seen people who are not particularly well educated, but they read the Bible and it changes the way they think and they start to think things that God thinks and, and think in the way that God wants them to think. There is a movie about um, uh, uh, some aliens who come to Earth and this language expert learns to speak their language after much trial and error. And as she does, she starts to be able to think like them and can do time travel just like them. I, I remember thinking that's a picture of the Bible. It says as we read his words and learn what he says, our mind starts to think like he does. We access the mind of Christ and it changes the way that we think. And um, then lastly, or maybe not lastly, the, the Spirit of God within you is full of His desire and His power. What do I mean by that? Philippians 2 verse 13 says, It is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. It is God who works in you. That word works is energy. It's, it's, it's an active word. God is, God's spirit within you. We're saying, what is your spirit like as a new believer? What's going on inside you? There is a dynamo. There is God working in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. There's something in you making you want to do God's will. You know, in the Old Testament, when the people of God were trying to obey uh, earthly rules written on, on paper or written on tablets of stone, and they were failing again and again. God said, there is going to come a time when I will make a new covenant and I will write my laws on their hearts and on their minds. That's similar to what this verse is saying. God is working in you to want to do and to be able to do His will. Instead of the laws coming from the outside through our eyes and then we try with our human effort to obey them. No, they're coming from the inside. There is a desire within me to do what God wants. It is God who works in you to will and to do according to His good pleasure. There is a, 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 a difference in desire. There is something that changes on the inside of me where I want what God wants because His Spirit is in me. Now, as a new believer, I have my own desires. The soul, there's the spirit and the body, and the soul between those two has its own desires. And there are many verses, especially in Galatians 5, which talk about the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh. They both have desires. And my mind in the middle chooses which one of those desires I want. But if I'm not educated about it, I'll be like those two men in the boat and I don't realize that I can access those desires of God. I can say, God, let me align my desires with your desires rather than with what the world around me says or what my flesh says. And you can allow God's desires to start to dominate your life. There is something inside you, the power of God. Philippians 2.13, it is God who works 
powerfully in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. There is a power at work in you. And then the last verse I'm going to share is talking about prayer. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Let me read that to you again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do more than you could imagine, more than you could even ask him. And this is talking about prayer uh, where you ask God for things and you think about things from God. It says God is able to do more than that. But then it says according to the power that works in us. That's that same power that I've referred to previously, which is making us want to do his will. But there is a power in us that also enables us to pray, to ask or think and to pray to him for things and to pray correct prayers. I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but let me just share a couple of verses on this. Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27 says, we don't know how we should pray. You say to me, well, isn't prayer just asking for whatever I like? No, no, we've got to pray God's will. The Bible says if we pray anything according to his will, we have what we ask. But we don't know what that is all the time. And it says we don't know what we ought to pray. But the Holy Spirit helps us with words and sounds that are not our native language, that words can't normally express. The Spirit prays through us. And it says, let me just read to you Romans 8 verse 26 and 27. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know that little phrase, the mind of the Spirit, could mean the Holy Spirit's mind. But if you have the Spirit of God in you, and it's the same Spirit as Jesus, your Spirit and the Spirit of God become one, the mind of the Spirit is your Spirit and the part of your mind that is linked to the Spirit. It says, He who searches your heart knows what your spiritual mind is saying, and it is making intercession according to the will of God. There is a perfect prayer coming out when we pray these groanings that words cannot express. And if we compare this with Romans, sorry, with 1 Corinthians 14, which says, He who prays in a spirit, uh, prays in the spirit, uh, speaks mysteries to God. It says that his mind or his understanding is not really involved. He can't really understand what he's saying, but he's praying mysteries to God. And then you add that to Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, which says, Pray in the Spirit. Um, and build yourself up in your most holy faith. We see that there is a prayer in the Spirit that is God's Spirit where I align myself with God's power and I start to pray perfect prayers. I pray in another language and I pray different ways than my normal mind would have thought and they are perfect prayers. They are exactly in accordance with the will of God and He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think, according to the power 
that is within us, the power that works in us. It's not me praying to the power in heaven far away. No, there's a power, the Holy Spirit within me. So what am I saying with all these things? Friends, you have something inside of you. It is precious. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about it like a treasure in a jar of clay. The jar of clay is your outer body, but there is a treasure within, which is God's spirit. And it is a gift from God. You didn't earn it or deserve it, but it is righteous. It is just like Jesus. If anyone joins himself to the Lord, he becomes one spirit with God. Your spirit is pure and holy and full of power, full of life. It is sealed. It is perfect forever, but it is also working in prayer and in making us want to do what God wants us to do. So what do we do with this? Every day we set our minds on the things of the spirit. We look at his word, John 6, 63, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. We worship him. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18 says, as we gaze on his glory, the spirit changes us and we become like him. Uh, we pray, like we've said in the spirit, but also when we read his word, we choose to say, I'm going to believe God's word and I'm going to adjust my thoughts, my mind, my decisions, my will, my emotions, my feelings. I'm going to take every thought captive, we've said, and bring it into obedience of Christ and say what God's word says about me is true. What God's word says he's done for me is true. Even if my five senses say differently, even if other people say differently and we align ourselves, it's almost like we just immerse ourselves in the spirit and those voices from our flesh are still there. They're still speaking, but the power of the spirit is stronger and it enables us to be able to live in the spirit. Galatians 5 says, if we walk in the spirit, we will not gratify the desires or the lusts of the flesh. We can do it. You can do it. You have the spirit within you. Just pray right now. First of all, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me on the cross. I believe you died for me and I thank you for it. And I receive this gift of being born again. And then say, Lord, I want to align my mind, my emotions, my decisions with your spirit and this power that you put within me. And I'm, every time I'm confronted, Lord, with your truth of your word, I'm going to choose your spirit instead of the flesh. And then lastly, just say, Lord, please, would you fill me with your spirit? Your word says that I have your spirit in me now. But now I pray that he would fill me, fill my emotions, fill my mind, my thoughts, my words, my body, fill me to overflowing in Jesus' name. And Jesus said in Luke 11 that everyone who asks for the Spirit, the Father says, yes, we love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.